It's great to see you this morning. It's a joy to be here. Our team counts it as a privilege to have been able to come in and invest in what God is doing here. Uh, if you were here uh, last night, you probably you, you were then able to hear some of the thoughts that were in my heart. And I want to bring a message this morning, I believe, has a prophetic impact if we can hear it as such. So much of preaching, some people just preach information that have never been able to do that. Um, I can't share things that I've not lived or experienced and walked through and seen God move in my own life. It has to be a truth that resonates in my own experience, my own life with God. And as a result, when I'm sharing those messages, something is imparted uh, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that's what we're believing for this morning. So take your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 4 through 8. This is like a life passage for me. It is a passage God takes me back to over and over again in all these different seasons of my life that I find myself. Jeremiah chapter 1, I've titled this message, Releasing Your Potential. Now, when you heard that word potential, you either had a positive or a negative reaction to it. Because potential is one of those things that we either when we hear it, we either think about how we've not lived up to everyone else's expectations. Or we think of it kind of like the uh, commercial. I think it was an insurance company commercial. I was flipping through the channels and it, it had it's one of those commercials where they say, hey, did you know that you could save this amount of money? And the response is, well, everybody knows that. And then the other person feels obligated to share something that maybe not everybody knows. And in this particular one, it was like, well, did you know that Pinocchio was not a good motivational speaker? How many of you have seen that one? That makes me laugh every time I look at it. You, you know, he's up there in this little room, and he's pointing at people. And he's like, you are full of potential. And his nose grows. You know? <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, he kind of becomes aware of it. That commercial cracks me up. However, when we talk about potential, this is sometimes what we feel. When someone uses a potential word on us, we feel like they're just trying to make me feel better. But I'm not here to preach a message about the potential you have as a human being and what you can do and what you can develop and what you can learn. I want to talk to you about the potential that is resident inside of you because you were created by a God who loves you. And that when He formed and fashioned you, and we're going to read about this in a few moments, He deposited something in you of divine potential that is resident in every man, woman, boy, and girl. We're not just biochemistry. God Himself was involved in our being here today. If you can grab onto that at the front end, then the things that I'm going to share with you can be life-changing in the way you view yourself, the way you view what you can accomplish in the kingdom of God. Let me give you a quick definition of potential before we read the Scripture. Potential, by definition, is a latent excellence or ability that may or may not be developed. It may or may not be developed. The issue is choice. The issue is our decisions. In the room today, the differences between us are not so much the potential that we have, they are the decisions that we make. And the quality of the choices that we make. Those of you who receive prophetic words, you have choices to make. 
Because Paul told them, you need to receive, hey, wage a good warfare with those prophetic words that have come over you, having received them with faith and a good conscience. Which means you believe that was God talking, and the good conscience means I am going to live that out. I'm going to cooperate with what God said. We get locked on, sometimes on that dependence on God. Oh God, we're dependent on you, we're dependent on you, we're dependent on you. He's like, that's great, but you have a job to do as well. So you must balance dependence with cooperation. It's not enough to sit there and just say, oh God, give me, give me the funds we need, give me the funds we need. I gave you the job that you need. Right? So it's important that as we think about this today, that we remember that we're reading the Word of God. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Then the Word of the Lord came to me saying, before, kind of highlight that in your mind. Would you do that? Highlight before. Whatever he's about to say, it happened before. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Regardless of what your perspective is on the pro-life, pro-choice debate, I don't care. The bottom line is, I don't care when you think the life begins. It doesn't matter because before even I was conceived, He knew me. Think about that. He knew me. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, oh Lord God, would I, that's an appropriate response. Oh Lord God, are you kidding me? That's what he's saying, are you kidding me? Behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Wow. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. When I was a young man growing up in Shreveport, Louisiana, at the age of 17, uh, something happened in my life that forever changed me. I had become a believer at a young age. I knew I had met God. I knew my life was changed because I couldn't help but tell every friend that I had that God had changed me and had forgiven me. And I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> Disrespect is no respecter of age. I was six years old, had an encounter with God, changed my life. You say, how, how, how horrible were a six-year-old were you? I was a liar. I was a liar. I was a deceiver. I was a manipulator. My mom would say, go in there and brush your teeth. I'd go in, turn the water on, splash around. I'd even get the towel wet. I didn't brush my teeth. I'd come out. Did you brush your teeth? Yes, ma'am. And I'll never forget sitting in a service in a little Baptist church in Shreveport, Louisiana one night. The preacher talking about sin and talking about how we've all missed the mark, but that God's grace was available. And I remember standing there as a six-year-old kid having this weight of, I'm a liar. If I'm a liar at six, what will I be at 16? 
Much bigger liar. And the Holy Spirit, who's the only one who can draw us to the Father, the only one who can draw us to repentance is the Holy Spirit. Not the words or eloquent dealings of man. It's just got to be the Spirit of God drawing our hearts. And He drew my heart as a young man. And my mom was standing there in the service. And when the preacher gave this opportunity for us to anyone who wanted to receive Christ to come forward, I looked at my mom and said, i got to go. i got to go down there. And she was like, uh... <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you understand what we're doing here. Well, I understand. You're either coming with me or I'm leaving you here. (laughs) At the age of 17, I was sitting in a church service uh, with some friends, and I don't even remember what the guy was talking about. Because I was in my own little God moment, sitting back there, and it was like the cone of, of revelation dropped on my head, and the Lord was speaking to me. Now you need to understand that prior to entering into the ministry, I did preach my first message when I was 17. I was pastoring at the age of 20. It's scary, right? (laughs) Think of any 20-year-old you know, and that's a pastor. But I'm grateful because God was willing and God did it. And He opened those opportunities for me. And my heart was, was turned toward the Lord. But here's the reality that you need to understand. Prior to that, in my senior in high school, I had two career paths that I was looking at. I was either going to go into law enforcement because I had a high respect for those who were willing to protect and serve and give of their lives, and and I've always had that respect, still do to this day. Many of my friends are law enforcement or are military retired guys, and a lot of those are the people I hang out with. I get them. I understand them. It was in my heart. I thought, okay, the other was broadcasting. Sorry, I I had had been uh, dabbling with some... Uh, radio work and you know I had there was a station in my town that would allow uh, young men to come in and kind of intern a little bit and be on the radio do some some DJ work when at my church we had a gymnasium activities building and it was designed in such a way that we had a mock radio station every Friday night when people came in to do stuff and we ran that thing like a real station wasn't going out over the airways but I was I thought this is awesome 17 years old sitting in a service God spoke so clear to me will you Preach the word to my people. And I remember sitting there. And I'm thinking about law enforcement. I'm thinking about broadcasting. I said, Lord, I'll do it. Lord, I'll do it. I remember telling my dad what I was going to do. And he just looked at me. He said, son, are you sure that's what you want to do? I said, dad, I believe it's it's the Lord. I believe it's what I'm supposed to do. And he goes, son, church people are the meanest people I know. He was right, by the way. Some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life were in church. And, but I knew it was the Lord. And so you might be thinking, oh, Bill, what a, what a noble thing. What a noble thing. You sacrificed your dreams and plans so you could serve God. Well, kind of. I did make a decision, not my will, but His will be done. But can I tell you what I've done for the last 35 years? For the last 35 years, I have broadcasted the message from the Holy Spirit that He would drop into me to the people of God in various means and ways, either through preaching the Word or communicating through blogs or on social media. I have been broadcasting. For over 35 years, I lived my life as a shepherd of the sheep, protecting and serving the people of God. I don't think I gave up anything. 
Here's the interesting thing for you. It was a perspective shift. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. Here's the first point that you need to get about releasing this divine potential that's in you. Number one, you have to embrace purpose. And in order to embrace purpose, you have to believe there is a purpose. He used the phrase, I formed you. Here's what you need to hear and let resonate in your heart. God made you with purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't an oops. It was none of that. God has a reason for you to live and to exist. The issue is, will you seek Him and allow that potential resident in you to be unlocked and brought out? You may have to go through some healing in your thinking. You may have to go through some training in your understanding to know that just because you've messed up and because you've done dumb stuff and because you've gone in goofy paths that God can no longer use you. There are some goofy people He uses in the New Testament. There are some messed up individuals in the Bible that God put His hand on and changed them and reset them and use them in a mighty way. Here's two thoughts about this. When we embrace purpose, that means we're going to believe it. And it, that purpose is most often revealed by His design. And that's what I was telling you a moment ago. God made me to be drawn towards some things. I was drawn towards uh, broadcasting. I was drawn towards uh law enforcement, all of these things. But that's how He made me. He just wanted to give me a context for how that fit into His plan and His kingdom work. When you say, I don't know what my purpose is, I don't know what my purpose is, I bet you actually do if you stop and think. You're already having some time of a drawing towards it. You already have interest in pulling it towards you. Now, the way, now if, if you haven't given your heart to Christ and you haven't really said, I'm, I really want to pursue God, there are going to be confusing factors about your purpose. But if you have said, God, I'm here for you, I'm here for your kingdom's work, and you've dealt with things, you've begun the process of healing, you can begin to take note of how He made you. Based on how He knows you, He made you accordingly. Think about that. That's powerful. It's revealed by His design. Now listen, I have a bunch of power tools. I like them. A lot of them are loud, and they do awesome things. Um, these power tools were made for a specific purpose. Like I have a belt sander, and it's about like this. You have to hold this big handle, and you've got a handle here. It's got this big sanding belt. It was made to do one thing, eat wood. That's its purpose. But you can use it for other stuff. Makes a great doorstop. You can use it as a paperweight. You can fling it at a coyote. I mean, you can use it for other things. But until it's turned on and it's got a sanding belt on it and it's sitting on a piece of wood that's rough that needs to be smooth, it's not really fulfilling its intended purpose. How many of us in the room today, we begin to think, hey, I've got an intended purpose from God. But I can do other stuff. Yes, you can. You can choose to do other things. But you'll never know the fulfillment and the release and the meaning of what God intended until you step into that thing He saw when He formed and fashioned you. You have to receive this by faith. 
purpose is revealed by His design, but it's received by faith. You have to believe that God was involved in your existence. All right? Here's the second thing. You not only have to embrace purpose, you have to focus your passion. He said, I sanctified you. That word, that's a very religious sounding word, right? Here's your homework. Use the word sanctified in a normal sentence next week. It's not as easy as it sounds. Sanctify. It's a religious sounding word. It's a theological sounding word. I always picture Sean Connery saying this word. Sanctified. <laughs> sounds right, doesn't it? That's right. People of God should be sanctified. Yeah. Here's, here, let me just demystify that for you. Here's what sanctified means. Set apart to His purpose. It's a word that's used of the instruments used in the temple and worship. They were sanctified. They were holy. Not because they were made of extraterrestrial alloys, but because, I mean, they were made of normal stuff. What made them sanctified was they were set apart to only be used in the service of God. So when he says to Jeremiah, I formed you, I made you with purpose, on purpose, for a purpose, he then said, I sanctified you. What does that mean? It means I've ruined you to being satisfied with anything else. I set you apart to that purpose. You're not going to find fulfillment and meaning until you locate into that purpose. It's not going to be the same. How do we do that? Well, let's look at the Scripture. Philippians 3.12. Here's what Paul said. He said, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Let me make this statement to you. Passion is the fuel of our pursuit of God's purpose. Passion is a strong desire. It is a strong desire for something. We often look in the New Testament, we see the word uh, lust, but that's actually the word passion. It's a strong desire to do something. It's really not negative or positive. It's neutral. It can be either. We just think of it most often in a negative way. Here's what I want you to see. Whatever you are passionate about, you do. It's what you do. We need vision to focus our passion. And that vision comes up out of an understanding of God's purpose. We lived in northwest Arkansas for a number of years, and uh, when we would come back to Dallas to see our kids that lived in the Metroplex, we'd be going back. We'd cross through some pretty cool mountains with these great canyons and valleys. But do you know what the Arkansas Department of Highway had the nerve to do on those giant bridges spanning those great chasms? They put guardrails. Can you believe that? Why? Because they wanted to rob me of my freedom to violently crash and die in a ravine. That's why they did. Those were boundaries. When we interpret boundaries as obstacles, we're going to struggle in life. The boundaries were there to keep me on track so I'd get to the destination I have. That's what vision does. Vision says, God made me for a purpose. I'm embracing that purpose. I'm going to now focus my energies and my passion towards that purpose. And it becomes like boundaries and guidelines that keeps us on track. 
But it's not just vision, devotion. How many of you, ever, how many of you grew up hearing about having a quiet time? Well, I grew up where the quiet time was the magic penicillin pill of all things. I don't know about you. I grew up in a Baptist denomination, and, and, uh, which is great. I've got a real love for the Word from my heritage there. But it was like the quiet time fixed everything. But, you know, they would come up. I'd, I'd be struggling. Say, well, have you had your quiet time? Well, yeah, but I'm a little confused. I have some questions. Well, you probably need to have a quiet time. You seem a little irritable today. Did you have a quiet time? You seem, you seem a little out of sorts. Have you had your quiet time? I'm like, why don't you have a quiet time? Like right now. Just, just get quiet. Practice what you preach, for goodness sake. Just get quiet. So let me use a different phrase. Instead of using the word devotion, because that becomes almost a checklist in our heads. Read this, read that, read that, pray for them, pray for them, pray for that, pray for this. Amen. Go on my day. What, did you have a quiet time? Yep. See the big check mark? Let me use a different phrase. Relational awareness. Where you take time to get still and get quiet enough that there is a sense of relational awareness that God is with you. That's about passion. The more aware of His presence we become, the more focused our passion will be towards purpose. That's important. Hope you're getting that. Here's the third thing. You've got to receive power. You've got to embrace purpose. Focus passion. But the third thing is we're going to have to receive power. He said, I ordained you. The definition of ordained means to enable, to empower, or to authorize. He said to Jeremiah, I made you with purpose. I set you apart to that purpose. You're ruined if you don't pursue it. But I've also already ordained you. I've enabled you. I've authorized you to fulfill the purpose. I have the power that you need. There's the authority that you need. This is life changing. Listen to this scripture. Ephesians 3, verse 20, 21. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Did you notice how redundant that verse is? When the Bible's redundant, it's emphasizing something. It's emphasizing the power that's available to us. He is able. That would sum it up. But He's not just able. He's able to do it exceedingly abundantly and in case we're too thick to get that above all that we could even ask or think his power for his purpose to be accomplished is unlimited it's unlimited you've got to see this but it begins with admitting your need for it right can i help you understand let me go back to my power tools I got all these power tools. They were created for a purpose, but they all need power from outside of themselves to function. And invariably, when I say somebody says, Bill, what about a handsaw? Well, do you try this when you get home? Take your handsaw, lay it on a piece of wood, go away for an hour, come back and see if it cut the board. It needs power from outside itself. The power's you. 
What about, about solar? Well, this powers the sun. Oh, what about battery? They got to be charged with something. Or, they require power from outside of themselves. So do we. We need power beyond what we can muster ourselves if we're going to fulfill the purposes of God. So we admit our need. God made us to partner with Him. He designed you that unless you partner with Him, you can't be fulfilled. He's not looking for people to hire on. He's looking for people who will buy in. He doesn't need more staff. All He needs is people who will believe. That's us. Believing His promise. We trust His faithfulness. That He's going to empower us. Every person in the room today, this church has potential put in it by the hand of God. It is a latent, in other words, it's just laying there until we activate it by believing it. You're sitting here today. I want to encourage you. God knows right where you are. If the prophetic time we've had the last few nights don't say anything else, it should be saying to you, God knows where we are. He would tell people who don't know us things about us, not to freak us out, but to encourage us that God is aware of who we are, where we are, and what's going on in our lives. Why does He do that? He does that so that we will buy in and say, God, You have a plan and purpose for my life. I'm going to embrace that purpose. I'm going to now commit myself to focusing my passion towards seeing that fulfilled. My vision now is that whatever you saw, that's what I'm about. That's what Paul was saying. I'm still pressing on. I'm going to lay hold of whatever it was you saw when you laid hold of me. That's the passion that has to come up. But we still can't do anything apart from the power of God. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes because some of you in the room today, God is breaking in on you in a new way and saying, you know, you thought this about yourself. You saw yourself in this way. But God is saying, God, that's not how I see you. Some of us in the room have made mistakes. We've gone down all kinds of strange paths. We're wounded, we're broken, we've got bruises, and we're damaged a little bit. But God says, I, don't, I haven't changed my mind. I haven't changed my mind. What I saw when I formed and fashioned you has not changed. I still see that when I look at you. We're faced with three choices this morning. And if we'll make these three choices, I promise you that divine potential inside of you will be released. If you'll choose to embrace His purpose above your own. If you'll choose to focus your passion and receive His power to accomplish it, you'll never be the same. Father, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would do what only He can do and that He would quicken to every person in this room where they are in this process. Some of us have embraced purpose and we've even received power, but because our passion hasn't been focused, we keep getting off track. Help us today. There may be someone here today that is hearing for the very first time that God even thought that much about your existence.
that he's that involved. Maybe you're here today and you're like, wow. I've never heard this in this way. I don't have that relational awareness thing you were talking about. I'd like to have it. You can have it today. You can meet Jesus. I'm going to ask if you would mind just to stand to your feet. We're just going to pray and we're going to give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to, to lead us. But if you will hear this today as a prophetic word to you, as it was so long ago to Jeremiah. Every person in this room, hand-picked and fashioned by God to partner with Him and His kingdom plan in the earth. Uniquely crafted for where you would be in life. Father, I pray. I pray that You would show us. Give us a glimpse of what life can be like when we give ourselves to You fully. Lord, I know from my own personal journey, there's no reason in the natural realm whatsoever that I should have been able to do or go to the places that I've gone. You came and found a kid from the wrong side of the wrong side of the tracks. You saved me. You set me aside. You protected me and you watched over me. And as I made those choices to embrace you, God, you opened doors that I didn't even know existed. You allowed provision beyond my wildest imaginations to go and to do. Participate in what You were doing in the earth. You literally elevated me and gave me a different perspective on what matters in this life. You'll do the same for every person in this room today who will choose to embrace purpose, focus their passion, and receive Your power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Chad, I'm just going to turn this back to you to invite people for prayer or ministry that, just as you normally do on the weekends. But I pray that every person in this room today would hear this message as a word from God directly to you. Would you do that? Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Chad.